be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. As Paul concludes this letter to the church in Philippi, there's one more thing that he needs to address. And it's perhaps maybe even this one of the very reasons that Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. Apparently, there's some tension in the church. There's some fighting. There's some conflict. Some, there's some internal problems in the church. Specifically, two women can't seem to get along in the church. And the Apostle Paul, he says this. He says, I implore you, you Odaya. I implore you, Santa Kay. Be of the same mind. I beg you, I plead with you, I urge you, you Odaya. Work it out. I plead with you, I beg you, I urge you, Santa Kay. Work it out. Be of the same mind. And then, Paul enlists the help of another person in the church. And Paul addresses him as true companion. And he says this, he says, True companion, I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you, I urge you, please, 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 help Uodiah, help Santeke to work it out. Conflict happens. Conflict is just part of living in a marred and broken and sinful world. We will experience conflict until Jesus comes again. We'll experience conflict at home. We'll experience conflict in our workplace, at school, and even in church of all places. Conflict will be a part of life. But the true test is the way in which we handle conflict. Because the way in which we handle conflict matters to God. This morning, I want to talk about three types of people as it relates to conflict. The first type of person that I want to talk about are what I call peace breakers. Peace breakers. Peace breakers are people who go out of their way to cause conflict and division. Peace breakers are troublemakers. Peace breakers are people, you have people in your life, that they disagree with you about everything. And most of us in here, we're not peace breakers. We don't wake up in the morning and say, oh gosh, I want to be the bestest peace breaker ever. What can I be? What can I do to be the most excellent peace breaker ever? We don't do that. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to be a peace breaker. Most of us, in fact, all of us in here are well-intentioned people. We're not peace breakers. But I want to call out a potential blind spot. And it's in the way that we use our tongue. The way that we use our words. You see, the way that we use our tongue can sometimes cause us to be peace breakers. 
I preached about this back in January, but I just want to review this a little bit. I think it's appropriate. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, listen carefully to what the Word of God says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our tongue has two options. Our tongue can choose to utter death words, or our tongue can choose to utter life words. Let's look at death words. Death words are words that mean very little and do absolutely nothing but make people's day worse. Death words are peace breakers. And God, and God warns us in the word of God over and over again not to use death words, not to gossip, not to criticize, not to judge or label or insult or condemn. When we use our tongue to talk stink about a coworker, when we use our tongue to lash out at our spouse, when we use our tongue to gossip and criticize, we become peace breakers. The alternative is life words. Life words have the power to make people's day better. Life words are words that encourage and build up. And God intends that the people of God use life-giving words. A well-timed, life-giving word has the power to urge someone to not give up. A well-timed, life-giving word can inspire hope in someone who might be depressed. A well-timed, life-giving word can spark passion in an otherwise life that is full of despair. A well-timed, life-giving word can renew confidence when insecurities have the upper hand. As Christians, we are commanded to use life-giving words. Church, death and life are in the power of the tongue. There is much power in our words. Our words have the power to bless or to curse. Our words have the power to encourage or discourage. Our words have the power to build up or to tear down. Our words have the power to heal or to hurt. Our words have the power to inspire or to dampen one's spirit. Our words have the power to make people's day better or to make people's day worse. Death and power, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We are all on this journey called life. And there will be seasons in our lives when the road will be kind of treacherous. And there will be days when your coworker or your family member or your friend will feel 
tired and weary. And it's in those times where God encourages us to use life-giving words to spur our friends, to spur our family members to keep on keeping on. There are many people in your circle of influence that are tired, that are restless, that are angry and depressed and empty and worried and broken and in pain. Use life-giving words to build them up and encourage them in the Lord. The second kind of type of person I want to talk about as it relates to conflict is this. It's called uh, what I call peace fakers. It's kind of an interesting word, peace fakers. What's that, Pastor Thomas? Peace fakers are people who don't want to rock the boat. Who, peace, breaker, uh, peace fakers are people who don't want to cause any waves. Peace fakers are people who avoid conflict at all costs because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to talk about and discuss and work through the real issues. Those are peace fakers. But here's the problem with avoiding conflict at all costs because you don't want to ruffle any feathers and you don't want to talk about the real issues and the real problems and try to come up with a solution. Here's the problem with that. You are settling for a fake, a counterfeit kind of peace. And we don't want a counterfeit, a fake kind of peace. And so here's the alternative. The alternative is this. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Yes, sometimes the truth, truth will hurt. But if possible, speak the truth in love. And when you're ready to speak the truth in love, make sure, make absolutely sure that your heart is right. And remember, there's always a right way, a right time, a right place, and right spirit when you speak the truth in love. I'm uh, one of those guys that likes to be organized and uncluttered. And so one of the areas um, uh, um, that I love to be organized and uncluttered is my refrigerator. Anyone else like me that wants to uncluttered and organized? You too? Only a few of you. Oh my gosh. You guys need to invite me over for dinner so I can unclutter and organize your refrigerator for you. And so every workplace that I've ever worked at, I... uh, I actually vote myself and designate myself the official refrigerator cleaner. And everybody's happy about it. They're like, yeah, go ahead, clean the refrigerator. And I love to do it. And so I remember at this one particular workplace, it was a Friday, I remember. And I I was like, I better go and get the refrigerator cleaned out before the weekend, you know. And so I go and I start dumping leftovers, start cleaning out different things. And then, um, usually I send an email before I do that, but nobody listens, so I'm like, you never listen, too bad, I dumped your leftover. So I dumped their leftover, and then 
I look, and on the very bottom shelf is like this really nice Tupperware. And I'm like, this pocket is like, dude, I score, man. I'm going to clean it out, and I'm going to take it home, and it's mine. And so uh, I, I bend down, and I reach in, and it's on the bottom shelf. It's all the way in the back, back, back of the refrigerator. Beautiful Tupperware container, and I grab it, and I bring it out. And I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. Beautiful container, beautiful Tupperware. And I open this Tupperware, and the grossest, nastiest, foulest, stinkiest odor permeated the entire office. I mean, it was serious. I'm not joking. There was mold and bacteria and fungus growing all over inside this Tupperware. But you know what? That's what happens when we avoid conflict at all costs because we don't want to ruffle any feathers, because we don't want to dialogue and communicate and talk about the real issues. What we do is we take that relationship and we tuck it all the way into the bottom shelf, all the way to the back of the refrigerator. And on the outside, that relationship looks great. But one day, you'll grab that Tupperware and you'll notice that your relationship has deteriorated. It'll be full of mold and bacteria and fungus. It'll smell foul and nasty and stink. Don't do it. Don't settle for a fake, a counterfeit kind of peace. Instead, speak the truth in love. And always remember, there's a right way, a right time, a right place, and a right spirit when you speak the truth in love. Third, kind of, ter- third type of person as it relates to conflict is what I call peacemakers. Peacemakers. Listen to what Jesus says about peacemakers. He says this in Matthew 5, 9. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to be called a son of God? Don't you want to be called a daughter of God? You see, peacemakers are a different kind of people. They're different from peacebreakers because they understand that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so peacemakers, they set a guard over their tongue. They think before they speak. They refuse to talk stink about others. They speak life-giving words that encourage and build up others. Peacemakers are a different kind of people. They're very different from peace fakers. They don't avoid conflict because they're scared to dialogue and go through the difficult issues. Instead, they value relationships. And they're willing to make the first move. And they understand that they need to speak the truth in love. Peacemakers are a different kind of people. 
They are motivated by a deep love for God. And they are motivated by a deep love for people. And God calls every single one of us to be peacemakers. Why? Because God is in the peacemaking business. Think about it. You and I, we all have sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, there's this great chasm, this great divide, this great conflict, if you will, between God and human beings. But God values the relationship. And so God makes the first move. And God sends His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to bridge that gap, to bridge that divide, to bridge that chasm, to bridge that conflict. And Jesus Christ, the greatest peacemaker of all, they call him the Prince of Peace. He he steps across the cosmos and he dies on an old rugged cross for our peace. Take a look at what Isaiah 53 says about what Jesus did for us. It says, Surely Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our what? For our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. God is in the peacemaking business. And he desires that all of his disciples, all of his followers, be peacemakers as well. Imagine if a stranger walked into our church and he looked around and he says, gosh, that guy there, Christian, that guy there, Brian, that guy there, Jeff, they're sons of God. I can tell, I can tell by, the, by just looking at the way that they are peacemakers. Imagine if a stranger walked into our church and looked in and said, gosh, that gal there, Angela, that gal there, Nadine, that gal there, Hope, that gal there, Janice, that gal there, Bev, they're daughters of God. I can tell, I can tell just by the way that they are peacemakers. Church, Let us be a different kind of people. Let us not be peace breakers. Let us not be peace fakers. Instead, let us be peace makers. For blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Amen. Let us pray.